Welcome to Mad Influence. Before we start today, I have a quick favour to ask. If you've been enjoying the episodes recently, then if you could please leave a review or rating and subscribe, this will really help other people to find it. This is a podcast about how the marketing industry uses its influence on society. We all know that marketers can have a bad rep. Let's be honest, we're one of the least trusted professions in the world, ranking somewhere alongside politicians and journalists at the bottom of every poll from the last few years. But what about the people who use their positions of influence to spread positive messages, entertain the world or inspire social change? I'm Helen Saul, I work in brand marketing and I'm hosting this podcast so that I can speak to some of these people about our role in influencing culture and investigate how we can all use our power more for good. Today's guest is Jay Richards, co-founder and CEO of Imagine, a research agency which crowdsources feedback, ideas and insights from Gen Z to help brands and ad agencies to build their branding, marketing or products with Gen Z in the room. Imagine has sourced brutally honest insights from its 2000 strong community for a range of clients, including the NFL, Gymshark and PepsiCo since it launched in 2019. Jay is inspired by wanting to help Gen Z to shape their future after he was helped by his business teacher when he was their age, who told him to stop wasting his life and instead invest his entrepreneurial spirit into legitimate ventures, which prompted Jay to set up his first successful business designing and selling t-shirts. Today, Jay has been recognised for his work by Forbes 30 Under 30, and he invests much of his time in getting companies to listen to their target market before they even start making their branding, marketing or products. Because in his own words, we're not just saying, ask them what they think. We're saying, build it with them. When you do that, you get true collaboration and whatever you're trying to put out will work so much better. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love that intro. You're so, that was so well researched. It's, it's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, well, you're very welcome. I am really excited to have you here. You know, when I first started the podcast, I had a bit of a vision that I would try and interview people from all different areas of marketing. And we've had brands on, we've had creative agencies. But one area that we've talked a lot about, but not really covered so much is research. And I think with you in particular, I'm excited to talk to you because I know it's about much more than research. It's not just that, it's that you are actually getting your community to really collaborate with you and therefore brands and agencies as well and I am super excited to get into it later on so yeah thanks again for joining the place I always like to start is I kind of like to understand a bit about what your motivation is and where you first started out your career and I know early on you actually set up a little business selling t-shirts so I wondered if you could tell me a bit about like what made you do that and then how you kind of got from there to where you are today Yeah, I think the genesis of all of it really was when I was in secondary school, I I used to play a lot of football and then I got signed to a pro team, but then got injured and I had all this free time and I started just getting involved with things I shouldn't be getting involved with. My business study teacher just sat me down and was like, hey, you seem like a super talented person. People uh, love following you. You seem like you have some type of leadership skills. Maybe you should start a business. And I was kind of like, hey, his name was Mr. Wright, my business as a teacher. And I was like, hey, you know what? I don't really care. I'm not really interested. But then he started showing me like 
the cost of how much it would cost to create a t-shirt and how much we could sell it for. And I was like, oh, this seems kind of interesting. So we sat down and we have a, had a conversation around it and we just came up with like a hypothetical business plan and a profit and loss sheet and all these different types of things. And I thought, actually, you know what? I could do this. And I just began to build it from there. And I think it used to cost us like £1.50 to print a t-shirt. We could sell them for £15 and all these different things. So we just started printing these t-shirts like crazy. And getting my friends on a half day on Friday from school to take these t-shirts to the other schools and start selling them for me. And we just started amassing this money. And I remember my mum coming to my bedroom and seeing this money on my bed at one point and being like, what are you doing now? Like, what have you got into now? And I was like, no, like generally there's nothing wrong. Don't worry. Um, it's all good. And yeah, so that's pretty much where the t-shirt business started and um, started that spark for business within me. Oh, that's amazing. And I wondered... Is there anything that you took from that experience that you think has kind of helped you in your career today, whether that's fundamentals of business or anything else? Yeah, I think so. I think for me, so I'm I'm some of immigrant parents. So being a a second generation immigrant, you know how to make money stretch. So even today, like I will get money from a brand or from a client or investment or whatever it may be. And I always say to our investors, I'm like, I can make this amount of money that somebody would spend in six months. I can make it last two years because it's just it's just innately in me as a son of immigrants, which is hilarious. And that initial experience from high school taught me how to make that money last. And I remember I must have been maybe 14 or 15 when I started that. I remember being like 17 or 18 and still having part of that that small amounts of that money still in my bank account from the business. And it was really, really cool to, to, to see that you could do that. Something like that was something I took from it well from the, the financial side of it. And definitely also the graft. My team will know I always just, I'm a big believer in just doing the small things daily, just habitually, just making sure, okay, I'm going to do this every single day. And you won't see the payout for months and months and potentially sometimes even years. But then one day it suddenly starts to work. And I think it's understanding that not everything is done overnight enables you to just rest in those moments of of building and just allow yourself to build. Yeah, I think that is a really good point. And, you know, when we're talking about where it eventually adds up, all these cumulative uh, things that you're working on, where you are today is obviously you run Imagine. Could you talk a little bit about, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what it is, what it is that you do? Yeah, definitely. So at Imagine, our mission is to help Gen Z to shape their future. I mean, the best way for those guys to do that is with brands. So what we do is we enable agencies and brands to crowdsource feedback, ideas, or insights from our community of Gen Z consultants. So we have just over 2,000 consultants globally now, everywhere from Nigeria to Manchester. And the way it works is a brand will normally come to us because they're looking normally for feedback or for ideation. So the feedback side of things is, say, for example, we did some work with PepsiCo last week where they came to us. They said, we're just about to roll out this ad campaign. Just before we roll it out, we want to sense check it with our community. So we took that campaign, shot it to our community, and actually within an hour, it's the quickest our community ever responded. Within an hour, our community responded with 80 qualitative insights about exactly what they thought of that ad, but also how um, PepsiCo could improve it. So that's the feedback side of things. And then we also have sometimes eBay came to us and they said, we want to understand what Gen Z think of us as a brand. So we went to our community and we asked 10 qualitative questions. What do you think of eBay? And they were able to answer those questions and eBay were then to able to understand exactly what Gen Z think of them, but most importantly, how they can actually better engage in that generation. So that's the feedback side of things. And then ideation is when the NFL came to us uh, beginning of last year, they came to us and they said, we want to create campaigns aimed at Gen Z, but we don't know what to create. So we went to our community and said, if you were going to create a campaign for the NFL, what would you do? 
and our community were able to come up with entire campaigns or just initial ideas and then if they were able to take that and then and then run with it and begin to build so it's normally falls into to feedback and ideation and there's varied ways in how we work with that I think, yeah, that's so interesting to hear. And I wondered, you know, you gave an example with PepsiCo, which is great, but also I think brands, they sometimes miss that step of, well, what do people think about it before we put all the money and time and investment? And, you know, if you wait until just before you're about to launch an ad, it might be that you actually miss some opportunities. So I think like that is super interesting as well. And something as well I'd like to know about is I think that from what I understand your business is kind of doing two things that are really useful one is it's helping brands or agencies create amazing either campaigns or products or whatever it is they're working on but the other side of it that I think is really interesting is that you are also helping Gen Z as well in that you are giving them paid work where they're actively participating in something that shapes culture and I wondered if you could tell me a bit more about that yeah that's a really good point and I think our key values internally are, are, are surrounded actually around young people. Obviously, we want to add value to brands and so on and so on, but we know that's almost like a byproduct of what we get to do because brands really want to understand what Gen Z think. But I think another exciting side of what we do is definitely being able to actually put young people in the room because at the moment, unemployment with Gen Z is so high and we get to actually put cash directly into their pockets. So we pay our consultants for every single insight they deliver. So we are seen for a lot of our consultants as a side hustle, or we're seen as a, almost like a delivery, but for creativity. Do you know what I mean? So they're able to do this gig economy type work with us and actually get paid. And I think it's the opportunity for them to build up an amazing portfolio where they can say, okay, this is the work I've been doing over the last few years while I've been trying to get a full-time job. We can help them do that. And a lot of our community actually already in agencies are in brands, but it gives an opportunity to work on something a little bit different and actually explore so there's so many different ways that our community can get value from what we do and one of the key ones as well outside of all of that is they just love being able to just to put their minds to work just being able to go okay you know what i just want to try new things and maybe test this out because i saw this linkedin post earlier somebody's like how can people expect us at 18 19 20 years old to know what we want to do with our lives and i think something, a platform like Imagine enables young people just to test out different things. Go, actually, you know what? I don't really like doing this brand marketing stuff, but I really enjoy the product side of things and whatever it may be. So yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And actually you just mentioning it's a platform then, maybe people might not actually be aware. I know that you have, for example, this app where clients can kind of track their brief through that. I know the way that you have your model is people can actually sign up and say, we want to do two briefs a year, for example. And that I think is quite unique. So I wondered if you could explain a bit about it. Yeah, and that actually came from our clients. So the NFL was the one that sparked the idea with me initially because they were saying, for them, it's quite frustrating. Say, for example, it's Monday morning, they, they walk in the office and their boss is like, hey, I need this campaign out by Friday. And it needs to be around Gen Z and it needs specifically around this. And they're like, crap, okay, where do we get this insight? We're very good at being able to turn around that insight quickly for brands. So we normally do it within 72 hours. But say if they have to internally prepare and all these different things, they may not get the insight ready in time to actually then deliver on the Friday. So what we wanted to do is enable it. So from a client perspective, they know we're paying for a certain number of briefs per year. And we know we can simply log on to the Imagine platform as a client on the dashboard. And we can simply input the, the qualitative questions we want answered input the the types of demographics of the people who are answering those questions and then put in uh, the stimulation or whatever it may be that they need to send out and just press go 
And that goes directly out to the community. And they know, okay, within the next 72 hours, we're going to get these insights back and we're good to go to actually build whatever we need to build. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, we actually, the quickest we've done this now is within an hour. A client, PepsiCo, came to us at 10 a.m. By 11 a.m., we had all the insights. And by 12, it was back in, in the client's inbox. And that kind of speed, it doesn't happen like that all the time. So please, everybody, don't contact me expecting in an hour. And um, It doesn't happen like that all the time. But it, it's a great way for clients to use our platform and gain those insights super quickly. Because you will know better than I do. And um, quote insight can take forever sometimes. People are telling me they were waiting up to three weeks for videos from Gen Z. And I'm like, three weeks? What's happening in three weeks? That, the entire world's changed in three weeks. So yeah, we love being able to just provide quality insights super quick. Yeah, no, I, I've really, I think that's definitely true. And I can speak from experience that research often takes a lot, lot longer than that. So yeah, definitely agreed there. I'm also really interested just in terms of the process for the young people that are joining your platform. And I know you mentioned earlier, like one benefit is the financial side, but I also think a huge benefit is the experience that they are getting in a time when it's super hard to get experience and so many people I know are saying oh I'm starting out and I'm expected when I'm applying for jobs to already have this experience how do I have that now what you are offering is you are saying people in your community can say we actually helped brands like Gymshark for example we helped them to come up with some ideas and I mean that's quite a good case study right there I know that you helped them with I think they were looking at creating a new campus or a new office space and you spoke to your community how did that happen? Yeah so that's that's a really really good example and I'll I'll break it down into the two segments so the experience side of things for Gen Z because historically you know and I know when we were younger you're going into the world of work and people are like hey you need 20 years worth of experience to apply for this basic level job and you're going and going how the hell am I meant to get that experience and then what happens is you get this other side of the industry where you've got people poaching on young people going we will give you the experience you can work in brands as an intern as whatever but it's not paid and you get this like almost this this internal battle where young people are like I need the experience but I also want to make money and it's either side of that people are exploiting that and what we didn't want to do is exploit that that's why we always pay for every single insight um, and we also enable Gen Z to actually list that experience on their CVs or whatever it may be so they can gain that experience so that's the experience side of things and then with Gymshark they actually came to us and were like hey we're building a brand new campus here in the UK in the Midlands and we just want to understand what Gen Z want from the future of work what do they want the workplace to be like? And obviously COVID was a perfect time to do this type of research because you can go, okay, is it a mixture of homeworking and, and office working? And what do you want the office to be like? Do you want a gym? What should the, be, the gym be like? All these different questions. But also digging it down into the psychology of it all, which is really, really interesting. So what happened was we provided an initial, I think it was 200 plus insights to the client. And we then sat down with the client went through those insights and really dug out the six people that we thought, okay, these would be amazing people to have in the room. We then contacted those people and said, hey, we want you to come into the room with, with Gymshark as well, virtual, obviously. Um, and we were able to have six of our consultants come in with Gymshark and sit down in a room and be like, hey, this is what we expect from the future of work. And it was great because it was also, it was Gymshark and Octra, the design firm, which was really, really cool just to see, have our Gen Z add value to them, but also have the value added straight back to them as well. I think, yeah, that's such a good example of how you're involving them in a really positive way. I wonder as well, is it that, so 
I, I'm sure often they're adding like really positive ideas, but is there ever any times when they come back and they just completely shock you or really surprise you or actually maybe say, oh, we would do this in a really different way? 100%, it happens all the time. And my favorite thing in the world is just watching a client think that they, they had it all down pat and then the blood drained from their faces, they realize, oh crap, we're going in the wrong direction. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really, really cool because and you'll see it the moment you log onto our website, the first thing you see is brutally honest Gen Z insights. We're not trying to hide. We're not trying to tell you, hey, we're going to tell you exactly what you want to hear and it's going to be great. Don't worry. Because for me, um, if you're going to do really good brand marketing, if you're going to really do good marketing or building a product or building brands, whatever it may be, you need to have honest conversations with the people that you're trying to engage with. Um, and that's what we are experts at. Our community are constantly told we need you to deep dive into this brand and provide insight that's firstly going to challenge them but secondly going to add value to them so anytime we do any work with a client we always say to our community there's always a question towards the end or we ask them to send in a video which is always my favorite one we did this for ebay and was like hey give your brutally honest views of what you think of, of ebay as a brand and you'll get two sides of the coin you'll get some people like hey i freaking love ebay i use it all the time it's amazing then you got some people like hey not really my bag and but this is how they can improve and this is what I'd love to see. And I think having that balance is great and having that in video format, which I absolutely personally love, video or audio format is, is perfect. And it also gives an opportunity and this is something that we're really trying to improve on or something that we're already really good at, but we're trying to improve on as well because I, I, perfection is, is, is somewhere in the distance so we're pushing towards it. Um, is that we know that some people's learning styles may not be written. So you have some people that will be excellent at writing a 150 word response, but some people may just wanna record it in an audio note or do it in a video and they feel a lot more comfortable in doing that. So we give the opportunity for our consultants to respond in whatever their learning style or their communication style may be, which is really, really cool as well. I think that's really good that you're offering the option for them to do it in the way that suits them best. and. Something when you were explaining then about kind of really delivering this like brutally honest insight, it really made me think like, so my experience is that I've worked in brands, in the brand team. And I think from my own experiences and what I've seen from all my friends in the industry is often when you are client side, there is a danger that you can almost like believe your own hype in that you are so focused on your marketing and what you're doing. And it's really important that you really believe in it, of course, but you don't, you dismiss the problems. It's almost like you don't want to know about them because ultimately you're going to have to, within your business, pitch about what a great job you're doing and look how brilliant our work is. So it could be kind of almost seen as like, oh, I don't necessarily want to source problems. But the thing is, long term, if you're not sourcing the problems, you're never going to address them. So it's really important to do that. And I think something as well that I'm super interested in that I think really exemplifies that point is, I believe that you put your own branding through the process, right? Of, <laughs> of of kind of putting it to your community. So how was that? How did that work? It was very stressful. I'm not gonna lie. It was really, really stressful. So um, yeah, and I love what you were saying a second ago because so many brands live, and I'm as human beings, we do. We live in echo chambers because we're kind of like, man, I need to surround myself with people that think like me and. That can, at the beginning of something, that can be great. But as you scale and you get into 50 people within a team or 100 people, it, it, that echo chamber can become dangerous. It sometimes interests me when I log onto a call with a, with a client and the team are on and everybody in the team looks the same, sounds the same, has the same backgrounds. Because I'm like, oh, crap. 
I'm like, you guys are going to be suffering when it comes to creating stuff because everybody's coming from the same background. And, and I think that's always a great thing about working with not just ourselves, but anybody outside of your industry that can give you that insight. But definitely our, our community are a great place to do that. So yeah, going back to what you were asking a second ago. So we actually used to be called Div Inc. I know it's a terrible name. It's a horrendous name. Nobody messaged me about it. Um, and to me at the moment, in the time when I created that, it's a genius name. Everybody's going to love it, blah, blah, blah. But nobody ever got it. People are like, what's the Vink? They're like, what's the Vink? Like nobody ever understood what it meant. And basically our community, I got a series of emails and WhatsApps because most of my, our community have my mobile number or one of our team's mobile numbers. And we started getting WhatsApps and emails being like, hey, your branding sucks. Your brand name sucks. If we're going to be part of this, you need to revamp the entire thing. And I remember just being like, hey, you know what? You don't understand what you're talking about. You're stupid. You don't know what you mean. But then I had to go, actually, you know what? This is our community. We have to listen to the data. We have listened to the insight. So we revamped our entire brand literally everything from logo name we we changed everything there's it's this brand imagine what we have now is nothing like it was before and that for us was a massive challenge but also it's a great comfort for our clients because they know imagine actually live what they say they live in, and they, and they use their community themselves and we're actually doing it at the moment so where our new platform for our community and for our clients launches in Q2 this year. And we're constantly going to our community. We literally just sent out a message via our platform this morning, asking our community on, on feedback, on the tiniest things, on buttons, on all the different little intricate things that we want to make sure we get right for the, for the new platform. I think, yeah, that's so interesting to hear. And I wondered what would be your advice to either people or companies about opening themselves up to accepting negative feedback because I don't think it's a natural human instinct to seek criticism and yet in the long run it's helpful for our development so what would you say to someone who doesn't really want to do it? <laughs> Phenomenal question I think you're the first person to ever ask me that and that's I know you're open to have um, have feedback which is great um, I think the first step is reframing it. it's not negative there's no such thing as negative feedback. All it is, and we normally, when we're framing it to a client, we normally say, these are some challenges, potential roadblocks. And that's how our consultants always frame it in the verbiage that they're using. It's very much for a brand, firstly understanding, these aren't negative things about our brand. These are just challenges we need to face. And when you reframe it like that, that's always a great way. The second thing is you need to have somebody that can come from completely outside of the brand to have this engagement. Because a lot of time brands are like, okay, cool, we'll find somebody internally and they will do it for us. But the problem is anybody you get internally has drunk the Kool-Aid. Even to the most minute fact, they will somehow have drunk the Kool-Aid and they won't tell you the complete and honest truth. You need somebody to come from outside of that. And a great way to do that, obviously, is with a platform like ourselves, you can work with our community, so on and so on. But another way of doing it is engaging with your community on social media. Just asking honest questions, do Instagram polls. We don't really do quant type stuff. We can do it as part of what we do, but we normally focus on qual because I just feel like there's so much more depth to qual. Um, but if you want to do a quick quant research via your Instagram, you can. Hey guys, we're planning on doing A or B. Which one would you choose? And they go, and you get, oh, okay, 63% of people chose A. Let's go for that. It's simple things like that. You can get quick insight directly from your community, but that also takes bravery because to put that out is, is is quite a brave thing to do. And I think a lot of the time, that's why it's much easier to come to a platform like us because we can do it behind the scenes. But then the key thing out of all of this is, is when you get that insight, act upon it. I've spoken to so many brands that have told me, yeah, we did this research four years ago, but I'm like, okay, so what did you implement? And they're like, ah, 
we didn't really implement anything. And I'm saying, okay, so you're basically just screaming into a black hole because you're not trying to change anything. So if you get this insight from Gen Z, then actually implement it. And then the final part of it, actually, I would say is continue to have those conversations, continue to do this insight. Another reason why our subscription is so important is because insight is best done over a period of years. So for the next three years, keep checking in with Gen Z. Hey, last year you said we should do this. Are we on the right track with it? Is it what we should still be doing? Should we be pivoting a little bit? And and I think the my my biggest fear is when brands do a Gen Z report. I'm always terrified when I hear brands do a Gen Z. But hey, we've done a Gen Z report. We know what Gen Z want. That's it. We're done. All right. See you in ten years when the next generation comes along. And that's so reckless because it's a Gen Z report you did in in June last year is now irrelevant because Clubhouse is around, because Dispo's around, all these different platforms and apps and the way Gen Z are engaging with that has all changed. So your report on Instagram and TikTok being the key things for your company to focus on, it's now wildly different because Clubhouse is is alive or Dispo is alive. Um, so yeah, that's, that's loads of points. Loads, yeah. And so many interesting things there. And I think one thing that I particularly want to ask about is when we're talking about, okay, so a company's just decided to commission a report and then kind of be like, job done, don't really care. But they're not really thinking this kind of fits in with your earlier point they're not really thinking oh we need the actual people that this affects in the room and I found it super interesting when you were talking about being on calls with people that are all from the same background because I'm actually reading a book at the moment it's called Rebel Ideas and it's it's literally about that topic and so I just found it really interesting and I wondered what you think with that in mind about maybe another way we can highlight it to people that don't fully understand the importance of it is if you don't do this stuff and you don't consult the right people and you don't have them in the room what are the mistakes that this will lead you to make that is a phenomenal question and the prime example is blockbuster on netflix that's it do you want to be a blockbuster simple simple question and so many brands will say no, but then do do absolutely nothing to change that trajectory. And that's the way a lot of brands are going at the moment. Because you look at you look at the way the world is. So there's a there's a common saying that now because of technology, the world is changing pretty much every day. Every single day, there's something different. Something something's changing. And if as a brand you're not molding with that and are not evolving with that, you will just simply become obsolete. That's just that's just the way it is. And what's happening now is as you've got influencers that are launching their own brands, you've got Gen Z that are launching their own brands, you've got it's so much easier to start a company now. If a young person looks at their favorite company and that company is no longer reflecting what they care about, that company is no longer engaging with them in a, I hate the word authentic, in truly a transparent way, if they're not doing that, they will just start their own thing or they will find somebody of their age that has started something. And that's what's happening. You're seeing these brands like um, Tala. So she's a um, Grace Beverly started a company called Tala. Yeah, you know it, a fitness brand. And her prime thing when you look at it is her brand is wildly different to some of these, um, the bigger brands that are out there. Simply the fact that she's taking everything that Gen Z cares about and she's just embedded it in the brand right from go. And I think Brands just need to realize, hey, we're not doing this because um, because it's a, like it's, it's a nice thing to do. We're doing this because we want to survive. We want to be here in 50, 100 years. And the only way to do that and do that well is by actually engaging in conversation with the people you're trying to sell to. Definitely. One thing I do wonder is how do you separate 
people who are they are engaging in conversation and they are listening and they're acting upon it from the brands that are kind of plucking one thing that they've heard about culture and trying to use it as a, a tool to maybe like market themselves so for example they're saying oh we attach ourselves to a cause we're going to say we're a bit sustainable or we care a bit about this topic because we think it makes us look good how do you separate those two things that's a good question. And it's tough. It's tough to separate them if we're being completely transparent. I think the, the thing that always excites me about Gen Z is they're so well researched. So it's it's very unlikely that a brand can greenwash something or a brand can stand behind Black Lives Matter and, and not be called out if it's bullshit because Gen Z will just, they will just Google. It's the simple, they will Google, they'll go onto Reddit, they'll go onto Discord, they'll go onto these platforms and they'll find out if you're talking at your backside or not. And if you are, they will then call you out upon it on, on social media. So the way we, we're seeing the separation now is actually almost brands are being policed by their consumers. And you're seeing this more and more where it started off with celebrities, where a celebrity could have said something X amount of years ago, and somebody will find that on Twitter they will hunt it down and they will put that celebrity on blast. I'm not saying I 100% agree with that, like dragging something for somebody from 20 years ago, but the concept of saying, hey, anything you say is accountable, as in whether that's behind the scenes, on social media, whatever, is, is accountable. So just, just be nice. Just be nice to people because everything you say is accountable. And as a brand, you have to almost take that same stance. That everything we say is accountable. It's no longer, we're a faceless brand, and you just buy our stuff, so just shut up and buy our stuff. And I, a prime example of this is I was listening to a podcast by Gary Vee yesterday morning while I was working out, and he was saying, I don't agree with everything Gary Vee says, but in this podcast, he was talking about how brands always say that the consumer is king or the consumer is queen, but then brands set themselves up to be king or queen. It's actually you are the consumer, you should be serving us, and it actually it's the other way around. As a brand, you're serving the consumer. You are serving what the consumer wants. So if you're setting yourself up like, this is what we're going to do, we don't give a damn what anybody thinks, that's just the wrong way to look at it. So I think it's hard to separate them, but consumers are now calling out brands that aren't being honest about what they're doing. And a prime example of that is the greenwashing and Black Lives Matter, because brands put up a black square and then we have not heard anything from them since. I think it's such a good point and it kind of almost ties into what we were discussing earlier in terms of like learning and actively seeking feedback because um, I do think it's a really interesting debate about at what point do we call people out and help hold them to accountable for things that they're doing wrong people or organizations and also when do we kind of actively encourage them to improve and learn as well and I think the brands that do the best are those that kind of say, oh, actually, uh, this is the stuff that we've done wrong in the past. These are the ways we're going to address it. And they do it in a manner where they are acknowledging it so people can understand it, but they're not using it and then just kind of putting it to one side. So, yeah. Something else I just I, I heard you mention a podcast there and I know that you're a fan of podcasts and I know that you've said in the past that audio is the future. You've recently launched your own podcast. So what made you take that jump? Because um, what, what I started to realize was, um, and thank you so much for plugging our podcast. I love you for that. One thing I we started to realize was a lot of our clients, they just weren't deeping themselves in Gen Z culture. So once a month, I do a monthly Gen Z fact that I just send out, not just to our clients, but just to brands in general. I send out people on our mailing list. We have about just over 6,000 people on the mailing list. 
And I just send that out once a month and I'd say, hey guys, here's a Gen Z fact you might find useful. And what I was thinking was, what is more of a way that people can hear from our community? Because there's so many talented people in our community. Really the, 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 the heart behind the podcast was enabling brands to hear from Gen Z about what they care about. That was really what, what it was about. So that's why we started it. So we're only on our second episode, we record our third uh, next month. And it's it's just a once a month podcast, And but it's a, one of our Gen Z community one of our team internally who is Gen Z and then myself just hosting it. And I just ask them questions. It's less of me being like, hey, I know things about Gen Z and more just being like, hey, this is a situation that last week we spoke about Black Lives Matter and we spoke about Clubhouse. And I'm like, okay, Clubhouse, what do you think? Do you know what I mean? And it's giving them the opportunity just to, to have that conversation and from brands to hear it directly from, from the person themselves because it's great being told in a report that 69% of Gen Z think blah, 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 blah. But what does that even mean? Do you know what I mean? But if you can hear an audio of them going, this is what I think of Clubhouse, just it just separates the two. Yeah, definitely. And I listened to your episodes where you discuss Clubhouse, actually. And I did think they brought up some really interesting points about it. I actually don't have an iPhone, so I've not actually managed to try it myself yet. I'm in that like really <laughs> behind backwards group, but I'm sure at some point it'll come to Android. <laughs> um, I think we're actually we're quite close to sort of wrapping up now. So there's a few questions I always like to finish on. My first one is just are there any brands or organizations that you have admired in the past year? Good question. Um, I would say eBay, actually. I know there are clients, so it's kind of cheesy, but eBay, because I just I was so impressed by how the entire team internally, from everybody from chief marketing all the way through, they were so engaged with the insights. They were like, whoa, this is intense. Ah, how can we input this? And like really committed to doing more, not just being like, oh, hey, you know, we've done our one report and we're out, um, but actually understanding that. So I was really impressed by those guys, I think. Um, we've been speaking recently with, with Nike just from just like um, basic conversations, but I, I just, I'm always impressed by Nike as a brand because they always stand behind their athletes so much. And I think the, they recently did some work around Colin Kaepernick and just really just just saying, hey, we fully stand behind Colin and um, regardless of what anybody thinks of him, we're, we're with him. And I've always been impressed by that, especially being a, be, being a black man, which is always super exciting. So I think for me, those are the two that, that stand out. There's loads of clients that we've worked with and brands that I'm impressed by, but I think for me, those are the two that stand out. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, we've called out Nike in the past on this podcast for the same reasons you just described. And as for eBay, I thought it was really interesting when you were talking about like how excited they were about the insights and it just made me think about the fact that I wonder do you ever almost have to do like um, a piece where you're trying to get people excited about data because it's almost like you know typically you could say it's like a geeky thing to be like excited about insights and data but when it's presented well I love to see data that's like super interesting and you can actually track results in real time when it's presented poorly or it's like hundreds of spreadsheets I really am not interested I wonder is that something that you have to think about yeah, definitely. And and the great thing about our new platform is it actually enables clients to select the insights that interest them and they get formulated straight into a PowerPoint, which I started to realize that for a lot of clients, that's an actual ball ache to like highlight, to find those insights is, is really hard sometimes because there can be so many. So the platform actually just helps make that process super easy. Because I'm the same as you, I get super bored with boring spreadsheets and stuff like that. And I think another great way of us doing it is we always try and have a couple of videos in there 
directly from our community. And the eBay one was great. It was like five minutes long, all in all, but it was like cuts of different members of our community just telling eBay exactly what they thought of eBay as a brand. And it really broke up because everybody had their microphones on during the call. So you could hear people laughing and being like, oh my God, I can't believe they said that about us. And like, oh my God, I love that type of thing, which is really, really cool. So it's it's a mixture of the two. And um, this is kind of why we heavily focus on Quote because I can find Quant can be a bit like, ah, uh, 64% think this, like nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, and I think the other thing as well about quantitative is you can kind of, you can make it suit what you want it to say, right? <laughs> Whereas I think if video of what someone says, I mean, that is their genuine opinion, like coming out. I mean, I believe they're both, they're both important actually, but yeah, I definitely can see the difference there. And um, one more thing I would like to ask you is, if you could go back in time and give your younger self, either when you were starting out and not sure what you wanted to do, or when you'd kind of first been like, yeah, I want to start business, what advice would you give yourself? Wow, good question. Um, I think the main thing I would say is just, is just relax. Like it's, it's not that, because I think in my head, and I've still got the same um, thought processes now, I suppose, everything's always a race. I'm like, I need to get this done. I need to, da, 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 da. we need to build quicker. We need to, and, and just, just to chill out a bit, like the, the it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I love that from Nipsey Hussle, he's, he's, he's a, one of my favorite rappers of all time. And he always speaks about it being a marathon. His actual clothing label is called Marathon. And I think the idea that, hey, it will take longer than you expect. So just relax and enjoy the journey and, it, and it'll be okay. I think that is great advice. I wondered as well, actually, because you're speaking to Gen Z like all the time. I mean, I don't want to ask you to speak on behalf of people that you aren't, but what do you think the kinds of things are that you hear from them that they use as advice or things that they would want us to know as like me to know as a brand or like an agency to know? That's a really good question, actually. Um, I think one of them is, is, is don't try and BS us. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the research side of things. Gen Z, Google's been at their, they're digital natives. Google's been at their fingertips since they were born. So they will just research you. They will just find out if you're lying or not. They will just research the person you put in as CEO or research a person you put in as diversity inclusion lead. Like they will just research, it's the truth. So just don't try and like pull the wool over the rice because then you just look stupid. So that's probably the first thing. And then the second thing is, is just a lot of the time when we speak to Gen Z, they're just like, oh, I love that this brand actually asked us. Because I think a lot of the time they're just like, oh, when they look and my, there's one of our consultants called Lee and um, Lee Grant, I give her a shout out. Everybody can follow her. She's hilarious. Um, but Lee always, she's just like, why did they not just ask us? When she sees her, she'll, rent, she'll regularly just send me a DM or send me something like, why did this brand not just talk to you guys? Because like they've just rolled this out and it doesn't make any sense. And she gets so frustrated by it because she works in the space and she's like, why didn't they just ask us? So I think a lot of the time, whether it's through us as a platform or whether you just do it directly with, with your audience, they would just say, just talk to us. Because you mitigate so many risks and uh, mitigate so many issues when you just have a conversation with people. Um, so I think those are the two things that, that they would say. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, when you're saying about, you know, why do they not just talk to you? I suppose you're at the stage now where you've done some great things with some really good brands, but I'm sure that you have aspirations and ambitions to grow even further. So if you could say the things that you really hope for in your like dream world, where would you see your vision for taking Imagine next? Amazing. Yeah. So we have a North Star internally. 
So something that we talk about every single month in our one-to-ones with our team. And our first North Star is that by 2024, we want to have 10,000 consultants in our community globally. And we want them to be heavily engaged. We want them to be, to be working really, really well with them. And then the other um, North Star that we have is um, we want to have added value to 100 brands by 2024. Because what we do isn't for everybody. Um, and this is something you'll regularly see me put on LinkedIn. We're not looking for the people that are comfortable in not evolving and not changing. We're looking for the brands that go, hey, you know what? We want to face ourselves. We want to look in the mirror and we want to change. So we know that's not for everybody. So we, it, 100 may sound tiny to everybody. They're like, oh, my days, why are you not going for 10.5 million brands? And I'm saying we're only looking for the 100 by 2024 that actually want to change because those are the people, those are the brands that we want working with our community because then they will actually and implement what our community says. Yeah, definitely. And I think also it's really important to note that I think just one brand has such power and influence on culture. And, you know, that's what this whole podcast is about. So by saying we're going to focus on 100, when you like multiply that by the actual influence and impact you're having, it's really big. So, yeah, I think that's really exciting. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed hearing from you. Um, If people want to find you, where should they go? Firstly, thank you so much for having me. Literally, you asked the best questions. So um, that was great. Um, If you want to find me, I am J-A-Y-K Richards on all social media. So if you just type in my name into Google, you'll find me everywhere. And then our website is imagineinsights.com. And Imagine is spelled I-M-A-G-E-N. You can find out all the information on there. You can see all the case studies with our clients and stuff like that. But yeah, and also check out our podcast as well. Imagine this, I-M-A-G-E-N, this, and you'll, um, you'll hear us talking to our community. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've just been listening to an episode of Mad Influence. This episode was recorded remotely with music by Joseph McDade. Thank you so much to everyone who's reached out with positive feedback recently. If you do get a chance, it would mean a lot if you can please subscribe, rate and review the podcast as this will really help it to grow.